Good morning, my friends. Welcome today to Morning Glory. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Praise the Lord. Now, today we are going to be talking about unleashing the genius that is on the inside of you. Get ready, because God is going to extract and pull out that inward genius anointing that resides potentially within every believer. And I know it's in you. We're going to talk about unleashing that today. But first, let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word today, we thank you that all of your promises are yes and amen. And Father, as we examine them and as we study them today, we thank you for the flow of your spirit. Uh, breaking forth from within the very depths of our being, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Now today, uh, today's message will focus around the subject of understanding. Now, the Lord told me that this is a year of F-U-N. F, which is faith. U, which is understanding. N, God working with the numbers to make sure that your numbers, your financial health is good, okay? But today, there is an emphasis that I want to place by the anointing of the Spirit upon the subject of understanding. So I want you to understand how God made you, how He has designed you to operate. So some of today's talk is going to center around the brain and the mind. Praise God. By the way, let's start off with a question today. And maybe you have never thought about this, but I'll ask you the question. Think about it just for a second, then I'll give you the answer. What is the most protected area of your body? Now, we do have a rib cage, and we're protecting uh, internal elements there. But if you stop and think about it, what is actually the most protected area of your body? Because whatever it is, it's probably an indicator that it's the most important asset that you have. Okay? So what's the answer? The answer is, right up here, it's your brain. The brain is the most important area, or the most important part of your body. Your brain is the link to your mind. But let me just for a moment talk about the protection that God has given for the physical brain. The brain is the best protected organ in the body. It has multiple layers of protection, actually three layers deep, starting with the first layer of protection, which is the skull, sometimes called, of course, the cranium. And this acts as armor shielding the brain from blows. That's why these sports injuries, uh, they're not to be taken lightly, whether it's football or boxing or martial arts. You have to remember that if there is impact to the brain, whether it's roller hockey or whatever it might be, uh, these are serious things that could have effects later in life. Be aware of that because God gave all of that protection for a purpose. The next layer of protection is the meniges which has three membranes that surround the brain and the spinal cord to keep it from being damaged upon contact. And then we have the final layer of protection, which is called the CFS. That's the uh, cerebrospinal fluid. And that's actually uh, a fluid that your brain and spinal cord float in. They're floating in that fluid right now. Whoo! Praise the Lord. So God 
has put the most protection around the most important asset that we have, which is not your toe. It's not your elbow, although we, we certainly need them. We need every part, right? But the area protected the most is the brain because it's the greatest physical asset that you have. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Now, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. I want to read this from the Amplified Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind, the mind, okay, and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, or we could say we have the mind of the anointed one to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. So we are told in the word of God that we have the mind of the anointed one, and we need to act upon that. So, I want you to be aware that this year, the Holy Spirit is going to be working a lot with your brain. <laughs> he's, going to, he's going to be helping you to work on it. He's going to be helping you to unlock the potentials that are in you, not only spiritually, but also intellectually. And he wants you to be aware of the great importance of your brain and your mind. This is where, this is where God wants to take you. I want to give you a scripture. Isaiah 55 and let's go to verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now here's the thing, my friends, as we study God's Word and we begin to know his thoughts. It doesn't happen overnight, although you can get illumination that moves you quickly forward, even within one day. But over time, as we study God's word and know his thoughts, we can dare to think God's thoughts along with him as we get our thinking in line with his word. Woo, praise God. This is tremendous potential for every child of God. Now, you have probably noticed that sometimes the teachings of the Word of God clash with the mindset or the thinking patterns of the natural man. And that's, that's because we have a lower way of thinking, and when you bump into the new ways of the kingdom, uh, initially you might think that your ways are better, but as you begin to meditate upon God's ways, you begin to realize they're not God's ways are not only better, they're like so far superior. Why? Because they work, they're effective, and they're productive every single time. See, we were translated from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. Each kingdom has its own king over the kingdom. In the kingdom of darkness, it's ruled by Satan. In the kingdom of light, it's ruled by God's dear son, Jesus, the anointed one. So what happens is that you might be 40 or 50 years old. You get saved. You give your life to Jesus. You have just moved from one kingdom to another. And when you come into it, even if you had success in the kingdom of darkness, when you come into God's kingdom, you might think, well, I can, I can still work the same system but you suddenly realize, wait a minute, this is a different system. It's not based on 
working people over. It's not based on uh, overwhelming them with marketing practices where we manipulate them or we try to control them. And suddenly you're in a totally different kingdom and you may lose your footing initially because everything that you've known, suddenly God says there's a higher way. And you start coming into that, but when you start to see God's system, you're just like, oh my goodness, the world system is so far below uh, God's methods and God's ways. And so these are things that we discover, not only with our initial salvation experience, but also as we journey along with the Lord in his eternal kingdom. Mm -mm. By the way, for a kingdom to last for all eternity, it has to be built on rock solid truths that work. And that's what God's word does. Now, again, sometimes the teachings of the word of God clash with the mindset of the carnal natural man. This is because his mind has not been renewed with the word of God. Well, Pastor Stephen, what do we need to do to resolve this so we can get on that uh, higher way of thinking, God's way? Well, what needs to be done is that we have to get our mind on what I would call God's frequency. And uh, just like you need to dial in, sometimes like the old radio stations, you have to get your dial kind of dialed in. Well, we have to get on that God frequency. And one of the easiest ways, if you want to fast track this, is by going to Romans chapter 2 and just begin to implement this into your life. And suddenly you'll notice a, a phenomenal shift in the way that you think because you're beginning to think now in line with God and His Word, His ways. And that always begins to do what? It begins to take you up. Woo! Praise God. All right. So Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed, molded, or shaped to this world. Now, that's talking about, actually, in the Greek, it's referring to the world system. Because the world has many beautiful things. We have mountains. Even with the sin nature that's in the earth, you still see phenomenal beauty. Uh, a sunset over the ocean. Uh, you know, just a, a snow uh, uh, on a beautiful day coming down, covering everything with the, with the holly uh, bushes, with the red uh, berries sparkling and all of these beautiful things, whether it's mountains or things like that. But my friends, the system of the world, which is uh, run by Satan, that is circulating throughout the earth and it's affecting the way that people think and the way that people uh, have governments and uh, laws are made and things like that. So do not be conformed to this world or this world system because it's fallen and it's going to eventually be completely replaced. But be transformed. The word transformed, there is actually the Greek word metamorpho that means a complete transformation and it's actually the same word that's used when you're describing a butterfly that moved from a little worm that, uh, you know, is crawling along on a tree branch to this phenomenal creature now that has color and beauty and can now fly. Okay. So you can actually do that with your mind and your mind and your brain are working together. So you could say that you could do this to your brain. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Steve and I have been through trauma. My brain has been traumatized. Well, keep on listening because God can extract all of that trauma and pull that out and he can rewire your brain. Maybe that you have things uh, done to you. You, st you may still have imagery. You may still have memory, but uh, it's like a snake. God can extract the poison out 
where it doesn't hurt you anymore. Uh, and so the memory is just ashes. It's just burn up ashes. That's all it is. And it has no venomous effect upon you. Okay. That's all because of the rewiring of the brain, the renewing of the mind, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise the Lord. You know, one time, uh, years back when my wife and I were pastoring in California, we had a church and there was a, a certain lady that began coming to our church and she had a real hard poverty spirit on her, but she had a very loving heart and she loved people. Uh, I remember one time she dropped off some soup for me and Kelly to eat. She cooked this big thing of soup up and she brought it to our house and dropped it off and said, I hope you love the soup. Well, she left and uh, later that evening we heated it up. We each put a big scoop of soup into a bowl and Kelly and I took a spoon and, you know, we prayed over it, blessed it and put it in our mouths and started to eat it and instantly got hit with one of the most awful tasting concoctions of uh, food, if we could put it in that category, that we had ever just about eaten. I mean, it tasted bad. This was not like somebody putting too much salt or maybe too much oregano or something like that. This was just horrible, horrible tasting food. And um, we saw her a couple of days after that. She said, well, Pastor Stephen, how was the soup? I said, well, sister, uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> and I think she could tell by my response that uh, I wasn't too thrilled about it, but I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Well, it wasn't about a week later where she came to church and before the service, she was in absolute tears. And she came over to me in tears and said, Pastor Stephen, they've really hurt my feelings. I said, well, who? I said, what happened to you? She was, and she explained to me that she had taken a big, um, not, not just like a bowl, but like a big kind of like a, you know, like a, I don't know, maybe like a 200 ounce container of her soup. And she had taken that out to the homeless people at the park. And she had kind of consistently done that. But she explained to me in tears that uh, just like, a, uh, I think it was like the day before, she had gone back out to the park and she had taken this big thing of soup back out there again. And one of the men, one of the homeless men of the park came up to her and he was a representative of all of the other homeless people. Isn't that interesting? Even if you have a bunch of stray dogs or wild dogs, somebody will eventually be the leader. Well, even if you have a bunch of homeless people, God bless them and their difficulty and pain, somebody even in that vacuum of defeat is probably going to be a leader or a community spokesman, And but he's homeless also. Well, he came up in his rags and in his poverty and, and said to her, listen, we appreciate what you're doing, but on behalf of myself and all of the other homeless people in the park, please do not serve us any more of this soup or other type of food that you're bringing to us. He said, we can't eat it. It's some of the most horrible stuff we've ever had in our lives. And it's, it's very degrading and demeaning to give that to us. Please give us something that we can least consume and eat. <laughs> he said, it's horrible. <laughs> and I talked to her and I said, well, your, your cooking's a little rough around the edges. And she said, well, she said, I'm sorry, Pastor Stephen, I hurt their feelings and blah, blah, blah. And I said, sister, but I said, why are you like this? I said, you have a real harsh poverty spirit 
on you and you're coming to my services and you're listening to my teaching uh, but I said it's not making the impact because you're not letting it get into your heart so I said what what's caused this in your life so that you have such a hard poverty spirit and she didn't deny that she had it she said well I think Pastor Stephen it something jumped on me when I was a little girl I said well like what do you mean she said well I'm the youngest of 12 children and she said, when we grew up, we were poor. And she said, my father and mother with us 12 children, well, we were so poor that we had a wash tub that we had to bathe in. We had, we had uh, you know, you had to heat the hot water up and then pour it into this tub and fill it up with water. And, um, you know, she's telling me this. And at that time, you know, she was probably like in her 70s. So, you know, this was going back quite a Quite a, quite a ways in years and she said what would happen is that the tub would get all heated up with water and the water's clean but we're all dirty because we only would take a bath once a week and the first person to take the bath would be my father and so he'd go in there by himself and take a nice long hot bath and stuff like that and then he'd you know be uh, soaping himself up and rinsing himself off of the water well you go through uh uh let's see uh, uh 11 other brothers and sisters plus the mom and the dad and she's the last one and she'd had by the time she gets into the tub everybody else is bathed in it now the water's ice cold and now you got all the soap scum and you've got all of the germs and all the junk that everybody else washed off and she's now got to get into that tub and she said I hated that now she had to do that for years and years until she you know eventually got out of the house she said but I hate it getting into that filthy dirty water and that, so that's when like a poverty spirit got really locked into her mind and into her mentality and her way of thinking. And so I, I talked with her a little bit. I said, well, first of all, if anybody should have gone last, it should have been your dad. Okay. So whatever the deal with was with him, whether he's a narcissistic bum or whatever the case might be, <laughs> if he really loved you with true love, he'd be the last to go. And he'd also be out there heating up the water and getting some fresh water in there for y'all. So you're not all uh, humiliated in such a defiled way. But nevertheless, she had kind of a loser of a dad. So I said, you know what? You have to forgive him and you have to just go on, you know, but you, you have to let the word of God come into you, where? Into your mind and start to wash your mind. So you wash out the poverty spirit that has made an imprint upon even your own brain. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Did I pray for her? Yes. And prayer, prayer helps. Absolutely. But you, you have to get into the Word because it's the Word that does the cleaning. It's God's Word that does the cleaning and does the washing. Praise the Lord. Here's a, here's a phenomenal scripture that you can give to somebody that has a poverty mindset. And I'll tell you one thing. It certainly helped me out as well and blessed me. Praise God. Now remember, I grew up as a young boy in Mississippi, which at that time was the poorest state in the nation. And maybe I haven't checked, I haven't checked in the last 10 years, but maybe is still holding, unfortunately, that title. Well, uh, so I knew what it was like to grow up poor. We lived out in the country. Um, I can remember uh, we didn't even have paved roads, you know, so this was like, um, you know, late, real late 60s, early 70s. So, um, uh, you know, you're talking like whole communities just about that are surviving on food stamps 
And, uh, you know, where, where if you really were successful and you really made it back in that part of the woods, that meant you had an, it meant you had two things. If you were successful, super wealthy, you had two things. You had a satellite dish and you had an above ground swimming pool. <laughs> and if you had that, boy, people would drive by with our old clunkers and go, Woo! you know, of course, satellite dishes were like the size of a car. <laughs> But that was a sign of prosperity back then. You were wealthy if you had an above-ground pool. Of course, those are some of the most dangerous things ever created by man. There's no telling how many spinal cord injuries have happened by people owning those cheap three-foot-deep pools that sit above ground, and then you kind of jump into it, and you end up you know, breaking your neck or something stupid like that. But um, anyhow, thank God for His Word, which, which will wash and renew your mind no matter what environment or country, or nation, or difficulty that you got raised in. Mm -mm. So don't don't blame your a current mentality uh, up on your country and say, well, you know, I was born in in uh, you know whatever it might be, and therefore I'm justified for staying in my defeated state. No. Let the word wash your brain, wash your mind, and you start to think like God. And what happens? You'll start to go up. Mm -mm. Yes. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they, they knew this because Paul taught them. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. When? On Calvary, on the cross. That you, through his poverty, might become what? Oh, don't say it, Pastor Stephen. We shouldn't use that four-letter word. I'm going to say it. I'm a full gospel preacher, that you might become rich. Oh, Pastor Stephen, shh, don't say that. But we, in the church, we're supposed to be poor. Ah, time for a little brainwash, huh? Time to wash the mind with the word, mm -mm, that you might become rich. So what took place at Calvary was divine exchange. He took our sin upon himself. Why? So that we could become his righteousness, you could say that he became dirty so that we could become clean, all right? So at the cross, while he was hanging on that cross, he also took the full effect of sin and the curse of the law, which had a whole bunch of yucky stuff wrapped up into it. One of them being, as you clearly see identified in Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 28, the latter portion of that chapter, you see the full effects of the curse, which are one of them, the unescapable one, poverty, lack, insufficiency. Okay, so while he hung on the cross, all of that was put on him. He bore all of it. Why? So instead of being poor, you can be rich. Woo, praise God. What does it mean to be rich? It means to have a full supply. It means you're blessed to be a blessing. And it means you have enough to do what God has called you to accomplish here on this earth. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So wash and renew your mind with scripture by meditating on those scriptures. And then here is often a missing key in, in a lot of good secular self-help courses um, this is the one that is a, a game changer. You have to not only uh, meditate on the word or find scriptures that speak to you, but then you have to speak them. And that's really where you begin to see serious renewal changes in your mind. I mean, when you see it in the scripture and you read it and you meditate on it, but then you begin to speak it, 
that's when um, really you actually begin to rewire your brain. That's when you begin to come into the same frequency as God and you start thinking along with him the same type of thought patterns. And uh, I tell you what, you'll start moving out of that category like a sports team, like a college basketball team. You'll move out of the loss brackets. <laughs> you get over to the winning column. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Actually, when you begin to do this, Romans chapter uh, 12, verse 2, renewing your mind, washing it with the word. It's actually like, um, it's the same thing as like taking your car to a car wash. Sometimes they call them a car spa, okay? You're going to clean it. That's what you're doing with your mind. And your mind is intricately linked and connected to your brain. So there is deep cleansing, deep cleaning uh, throughout your mind. So it's, it's like a brain spa. It's like a spa for your mind, a spa for your brain. Now, some of you ladies love going to the spa, get your toes done, fingernails done, the manicure, pedicure, and it's enjoyable. But I tell you what, sitting down and letting the Holy Spirit work with you on your brain, work with you in your mind, I'll tell you what will start coming out is that genius anointing that God put in you with the unique creative giftings and talents that he's given to you. And, uh, Woo! I tell you what, things begin to get very colorful very, very quickly, and God will begin to make your life beautiful. Now, we're talking this year about faith, understanding, and numbers. Fun, okay, F-U-N, fun. But the understanding is big. It's very, very critical that you understand God's nature, God's kingdom, His protocol, His ways, and also how He made you. He didn't put all of this armor, okay, around this thing called your brain just because he thought, well, let's just make it hard for them to ever get in there if they need to. <laughs> no, he put it there for protection. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. All right. By the way, scientists call this area what we would call or God calls renewing the mind. Scientists call it when they reference the brain, they call it neural plasticity, a fascinating word. And the best way to describe the scientific term neuroplasticity would simply be able to say the rewiring of your brain to function in some way that's different from how it previously functioned. Mm. Wow. I want to read it again. Simple way to describe neuroplasticity. By the way, it's a very deep subject that takes up volumes and volumes of books. We're just skimming over the surface, but we're going deeper into the area of understanding, okay? So again, neuroplasticity is the rewiring of your brain to function in some way that's different from how it previously functioned. Praise the Lord. They had that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You better believe you can. Sure you can. If it's something that makes the dog happy or enjoyable and you start teaching him, they can learn at any age. Praise God. And so can we as humans, as God's children, his people, as Christians, absolutely. Constantly learning, constantly growing in the area of understanding. Now, what do they mean by neural plasticity. Well, your brain is made up of uh, billions and billions of neurons that are doing all of this interconnecting, but plasticity means the state of being plastic, to be molded or moldable, or it, it can something that can be altered just like plastic. 
Wow. So that's what they have found out with the brain is that your brain, God has designed it to have neural plasticity, the ability to change, the ability to pull out of addictions, the ability to pull out of bad habits. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And again, when you combine it with the anointing of speaking the word, meditating the word and speaking the word, you're talking about some pla- some serious plasticity going on. It's like a it's like a plasticity factory happening in your brain. <laughs> and you may have graduated the last in your class, or maybe you couldn't graduate at all. Maybe you flunked. I mean, I'll never forget the day, fourth grade, driving, uh, not driving, but riding home on the yellow school bus. And third grade has just, uh, let me think just for a moment. Yeah, it's fourth grade. Fourth grade has just concluded. And I'm riding home on the school bus. And uh, we all have gotten our report cards. And there sitting to my right was one of my buddies in class. Still is, I still know his name, Stanley. C was his last name is what it began with. Sitting there in a deep depression in fourth grade because why? He just failed. He had some of the most beautiful handwriting you've ever seen, but he struggled to comprehend literature, language, or arithmetic, and although it grieved the teachers because they knew how phenomenal his handwriting was, he had to go and repeat the whole year all over again. He was very depressed. Um, But my friends, all of those things are out the window when you begin to get in touch with God and the anointing that's on his word. And that anointing begins to touch your brain, your mind, your understanding. Look, I grew up in a brilliant family. My dad was um, a metallurgist and he worked as a subcontractor for the army and even complex problems. Like when I remember they had that Jimmy Carter sent that first special ops mission in with those helicopters. And unfortunately they all crashed and it was, it was a fiasco. And that was of course, the fiasco out of that came a reality. We've got to get real special ops. And so that developed that whole line within the military. But they sent those crashed helicopters back to the base where my dad worked at. And he and a few others were the ones that examined them and and were trying to figure out, well, why did the blades crack? And why why did the metal go wrong? Or all these, what, what was the breakdown in the composites that caused that? So I come from a family that, uh, although my father rose from great poverty, uh, he went forward, and uh, and so there are many. You know, my brothers are both brilliant in science, but in a lot of these areas, um, a lot of it was like veiled to me. But even though that's not my field, and I I have no um, need to venture into those woods, so to speak. I can still grasp basics now that back then uh, just totally eluded me. There's something about the anointing on the word that dissolves. Are you ready for this? It dissolves stupid (laughs) in all of its forms, in all of its forms. Woo. Because you can be a billionaire and still do something stupid. You could be a, you could have a PhD and still do something stupid, but there's something about God and his ways. It begins to evaporate that completely out of your life. And it's something very different begins to come out. The genius anointing of God that is uh, resident within you, but we don't, 
want it to lie there with its potential undeveloped. We want to extract it. Amen. So, so much of that has to do with meditating the word, but also beginning to speak what God says about you, speak what God says about the situation, and come into full harmony and agreement with that. And again, what's going on? Well, your life is changing. Circumstances are being overpowered by the word, but also your brain is going through neuroplasticity. Your mind is beginning to line up with the word and God, along with you doing your part, uh, is rewiring or a better way to say it, you're laying new neurological pathways in your brain. It's just like a railroad track. Uh, The railroad company can come along and completely take that track up if they want. And if they have permission or land they own, they can build a track on the whole whole new uh, stretch. But you can do that with your brain. You can literally take up the the path of wrong thinking or the path of a wrong uh, ideology. And you can can just throw that away and you can begin to build the right one that's going to last forever. That's based upon the laws and the principles of God's eternal kingdom. Say yes. Woo. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Now, wrong thinking, wrong believing, and especially wrong speaking. When I say speaking, I'm talking about so often the confession that we make. Now, when I use that word confession, again, I'm not talking about confessing sin. And if you know, there's sin. Yeah, there's a place for uh, the confession of that. But I'm talking about your testimony, basically, of what you believe. Your confession of what comes out of your mouth, particularly in trials, particularly perhaps when a negative report comes to you. We want to make sure that these are areas that we excel in, uh, in this area of working with our minds. Praise the Lord. Now, a wrong confession is a confession of defeat and failure. And it really, when you hear that, a wrong confession, it's, it's acknowledging to them the supremacy of Satan. They may not directly say that, but they are in a sense saying, well, in life, you know, we just have to struggle through life and be defeated and uh, we win some and lose some. That is, that is an acknowledgement unspoken that Satan is still somehow in that person's mindset stronger than God. Okay, so that is wrong thinking. With your mouth, you either give God or Satan dominion over you. You do that with your mouth. So it could be that perhaps there are some watching and the devil has previously defeated you, perhaps often in a certain area, but the game's up this year. The game's up, praise God. Hallelujah. Why? Understanding of God's word so you can go higher. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Let's talk about like a, just an example. Let's, let's think for a moment. Um, how about, how about cigarettes? I live here in North Carolina. There are a lot of Christians. Now that may be different in your area, but here in North Carolina, there's a lot of Christians that actually smoke. Um, it was very shocking to me when I ministered at some churches for the first time many years back in North Carolina I remember one time there was the Sunday school after the Sunday school was going to be the main service. And I was the, the, the pastor was going to have me as the speaker. Well, after the Sunday school, cause we got there early as that was wrapping up, the whole church left, went outside and me and my wife, Kelly, we, we were the only ones except for one person who was sitting behind us and the whole church was empty. 
And Kelly turned around and asked a lady sitting behind us who was a church member there. She said, um, she said, where did everybody go? And the lady behind us said, smoking break, smoking break. They're all out there smoking, including the pastor, the pastor's wife, the elders, and the deacons out there huffing and a puffing. And that was about, that was almost 20 years ago, and not much has changed. Why? You have to work with this thing right here, or else you'd be huffing and puffing, or whatever this thing might be, various things that they people get trapped in for the rest of your life. And um, so th these are... These are dangerous things, especially with cigarettes. You're dealing with their primarily nicotine addiction. And if, if it's an addiction, we're going, back, we're going back to the brain. Why? There is, there's an addiction. All of these addictions, basically, they get rooted in the brain. And your brain gets addicted to it because every time you do it, it gives a dopamine release. It gives a pleasure sensation. That's what dopamine is. And dopamine should primarily only be used as a reward system. And you reward yourself when you've overcome. Or you, you studied really hard and you got an A on the test. You get that happy feeling. That's dopamine being released. Um, you work and work and work and practice and practice and you win the race. Uh, you, you feel so ecstatic. That's a dopamine release. You don't get that if you cheat it and you took a bunch of steroids or, you know, um, blood doping or whatever it might be. You don't, you know, I, I actually heard the testimony of one athlete. They crossed the finish line. They won the world championship and the person said it brought me absolutely no joy. I smiled, but I had no joy because I cheated the whole way through it. They were so doped up and, um, you know, got found out later. But uh, so anyhow, you can cheat dopamine by, uh, well, let's say you have a cigarette, you get addicted to it. And so every time you, you light it up and get that hit, you get that dopamine release. So if you stop, uh, suddenly your brain is like in craving, not just for the nicotine and not all of the other poisonous substances that are in there, but it also wants that dopamine hit. So now it needs, it needs that, needs another smoke, needs another stogie to come out of that package. But um, these things can all be overcome. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Well, now you can get, uh, let me give you an example. You can get into a meeting where the anointing is real strong and the Holy Spirit can move and you can get instantly delivered. I've actually had that happen in my meetings where uh, I've seen a whole group one time, oh, I'd say probably a hundred people all through their cigarettes on the altar, on the stage, because the Holy Spirit came down with tremendous power and told me he's going to deliver all the, uh, the tobacco addicts. And uh, I've seen them all get healed and not go back. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's wonderful. But what if I can't get in a meeting like that? Or what if I, what if I go to meetings, but the Holy Spirit doesn't move in that particular area of deliverance? Are you stuck? No, of course not. Praise God. There are, there are other ways of coming in contact with the anointing and uh, you can certainly do that by getting into the Word of God and finding the Scripture that ministers to you, and you begin to connect with the anointing that's on that Word, and it does what? It starts to heal your brain, it starts to renew your mind, and it's, it helps you to lay down a new track or a new pathway that you're going to go on, and you're not going that other way ever again. This, this is what I would do, for example, if I were addicted to, let's say, um, to cigarettes is good. How about this one? Look at this. 
First, okay, go with me here. First Peter ch- chapter two, verse 24. So somebody's watching, you're thinking, well, Pastor Steve, I don't, I don't even smoke. This is not an issue, okay? It works for, it doesn't matter what it is. It works. You, we're going to use uh, cigarettes as an example, but it will work for anything. Go with me. First Peter chapter two, verse 24. Let, let me get a drink of hot tea and I want to show this to you. Woo, praise God. The Lord is good. Now watch this. Let me just read it to you. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Okay, now take this verse and now personalize it. Let's say you are a uh, chain smoker. I remember one time Kelly and I were in, uh, we were somewhere in Israel. I can't remember what what town or village we were in, but it seemed like everybody in this one village, boy, they were smoking and huffing and puffing. They were smoking in the air and you know, I mean, people were smoking like you wouldn't believe. And Kelly said to our tour guide, uh, she said, she said, Aron, uh, wow, so many people in this city are just smoking. Whoo, this is awful. And he, he had a sharp wit. He said, well, he said, dear Kelly, he said, where do you think we're getting all this tobacco from? It's all coming from North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly, like, well, we certainly aren't sending it over here. Must be the other uh, Carolinians. Whew, maybe even some good old Baptists are doing it, praise God. But, hallelujah, there's deliverance for those who want to be free. All right. And by the way, I love my Baptist brothers, amen, and sisters. Now, watch this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, make it personal. Read it and, and confess it out loud just like this, because I know you believe it, but I want you to meditate on it. And speak it out of your mouth just like this. Say, Jesus himself bore my sins, including the sin of cigarette addiction, that I, having died to the sin of smoking, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes I was healed from cigarette addiction. Okay, now as you believe that, and as you put this word personally to use in your life, and as you speak it, what's going on? You are washing your mind. You are renewing your mind. The word renew in the Greek means to renovate, just like you would take an old home and renovate it, make it brand new. Okay, this is what the scientists would say uh, neuroplasticity is going on in your brain. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You are laying new pathways in your brain and you are taking up the railroad track of the old pathway of being a chain smoker or whatever it might be. But I tell you, my friends, you do this and you, you believe it and you start speaking it. The moment you do, I'm, I'm talking within minutes, soothing comfort begins to come over you and that craving begins to evaporate. Mm -mm. Now you might need to do this every day and have your own little spa time. Maybe give it 20 minutes of just personal self edification spa time in the word. I'll tell you within 30 days, your brain will be so transformed. You'll be like, wow, I can't believe I used to think the way I did. And suddenly, suddenly the true anointings, the true genius gifting in you will begin now to come out. Perhaps it was covered up with the dirt of the earth, or the, when I say the dirt of the earth, I'm talking about the dirt of the natural man, which, is, can, which can be so carnal and base, but the true spiritual potential will begin to arise out of you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, 
We use the example of cigarettes, but you can replace that and put anything else into this. Now, this is just a very powerful verse. You can find whichever one lights your fire. But again, let's work 1 Peter 2.24. Let's say that you have a struggle with overeating. By the way, it's while uh, obesity is really, um, uh, some, uh, some people are calling it a pandemic level. This is very interesting what we're facing here in America. Now, we all need some some fat. You can't, you can't live without fat, but excess fat can be very dangerous. Matter of fact, it's proven the bigger your waist starts getting, the higher the percentage of those that get diabetes. So right now, as of this year, 40% of Americans over the age of 20 are obese. Now I'm not saying they're overweight. Actually, the, the, the studies show that 70% of Americans are overweight. Okay. You know, you can be overweight a little bit and still function and go around. You just carry a few extra pounds. No big deal. But obese is a different measurement. It's based on a, um, a body index that they're using based on a certain scientific calculation based upon your age, your weight and your height. So obesity is a very dangerous area where you're carrying way more excessive weight than you need to. So in America, we have 40%. So that's, that's over one third of Americans over the age of 20 are actually obese. By the way, did you know that in China, less than 10% of adults are obese? And a lot of that has to do with all of the walking that they do. And Kelly and I have been in Asia, different parts of Asia, and a lot of people like to walk and it's a remarkable difference in their body. Praise the Lord. Now, the average American adult right now is 30 pounds overweight. And there are, you know, certain reasons for that. Uh, a lot of that is just because of the huge portions of food that people in our wealthy nation demand when they go out to restaurants. I mean, you can go out to some restaurants like a steak restaurant or something like that. And the food is just like, I mean, are three people supposed to eat this? <laughs> but no, it's for one. And you know, your, your brain says, well, you better eat it all now. It won't taste as good later. So down it goes. Even if they're, even after 20% into it, you're stuffed. Oh, nope. You got to take the whole thing down. And, uh, we do have, uh, some food problems here in America. By the way, also with our snacks and even with a lot of our uh, preserved food, a lot of it technically is not even food. I remember it was only a couple of years ago when, uh, you know, here in America, we have the FDA, the Food Drug Administration, which, you know, gives permits or says no to this or that. Um, over in Israel, they also have their own governmental food, uh, governmental agency that oversees food, and they put out a a, uh, a thing just a couple of years ago where they banned Heinz ketchup. And it was a national thing over there. And they said, this stuff that the Heinz company is serving to us Israelis, is not even food. It was basically like water, sugar, some kind of red ink or something like that. And their government got hot and they said, we're banning all of it. So it was a huge embarrassment for Heinz and they had to create some real ketchup made from real tomatoes. <laughs> but you know, some of these companies, they'll serve you anything as long as you eat it, as long as you're buying it. it. It doesn't matter how, you know, how many preservatives or chemicals are loaded in it. If, if these companies could get away with it, they would do it. And our governments tried to catch some of these things, but you still have to be careful 
because here's what's going on in America with many people. They actually have a food addiction. They have a food addiction. And just like smoking is an addiction and smoking kills you. So you smoke until it kills you. People are eating until it, they're, they're actually dying from overeating. They're eating too much food. And this food overconsumption is causing all kinds of sicknesses, whether it's heart disease and um, all of these other things, diabetes. So uh, it's a serious thing. And really, a lot of it is, is going back to an issue with the mind. It's a brain problem. It's a brain problem. Um, here's an interesting stat. And I'm going to share something again powerful with you. Hang in there just for a moment. So I pulled up the, the American states that have the most obesity. And they're ranked from one being the worst all the way down to, you know, n- number 50, having much less obesity. So what do you think would be the number one state that has the most obese people? Who do you think the top five states would be? Um, do you think, do you think that these states that have the most obesity could also probably be the states that would be the poorest or have the greatest financial struggles? That's what I thought before I saw the list. I thought, I thought, well, they probably would also be the poorest states. And if you've thought that, you are exactly correct. The number one state that, is, that has the most obese people is West Virginia. Number two, well, of course, it would have to be up there somewhere uh, at the top, Mississippi. Because <laughs> if you have real hard poverty, like you do in West, West Virginia and Mississippi, guess what? You've got a lot of obesity. Why? There is a lack of understanding. Remember, this is an F-U-N year, faith, understanding, and numbers. But these areas of uh, lack of understanding are literally, they're killing people. Okay? So number two is Mississippi. Number three, not surprising, Kentucky. Struggles, you know, with uh, finances, struggles with uh, health. Okay? Number four, most obese state, Arkansas. Number five, Alabama. Number six, Tennessee. The number seven most obese state, Louisiana. Pastor Stephen, I'm noticing a trend. This sounds like southern states. Yes. Amen. Fried chicken, biscuits and gravy, artery clogging, vein blocking food might taste really good, but loaded with fat and lard. And oh, oh, it sure does keep the surgeons wealthy. Mm, Sure does keep the doctors and 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 the hospitals raking in the millions and billions of dollars because people are eating themselves to an early grave. Pastor Stephen, I want to stop, but why do I like the food so much? Because you get a dopamine hit when you eat those Oreo cookies. You get a dopamine hit of joy when you eat the whole tub of ice cream. Now, you may feel awful later, but you had a, you had a little glory moment, didn't you, uh, within the first few minutes, or whatever the case might be. But, oh, my friends, we have to work with our minds so that we're, they are renewed so that you can enjoy things, but you're not ruled or governed or controlled by any of these things. Mm-mm. Okay, 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Let's jump back over there just for a moment. Praise God. I'm about to pray for you. Now, verse 24. How about this one? Let's read it like this. Personalize it like this. If, uh, if you've been a little too busy at the buffet lately. 
Verse 24, Jesus himself bore my sins and the sin of overeating in his own body on the tree, that I, having died to the sin of overeating and gluttony, might live for righteousness by whose stripes I have been healed from overeating. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. You can reprogram your brain. You better believe you can. Amen. But you have to get into the word and work it and talk it. Talk it. Don't talk defeat. Don't talk failure. Don't make excuses. Just start speaking in harmony with the word and you'll realize this is working. Yes, it is. And you'll realize these cravings begin to get defeated. Yes, they will. And you'll walk through it. And guess what? You made it through another day before you know it. You've made it through 30 days and you've done a lot of reprogramming, a lot of renewing of your mind. You hit 90 days, you're, you'll be, you'll be at a level where stuff will start popping out of you of God that it's just, you're coming alive on all levels. Glory, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. By whose stripes you were healed. And you could put anything in there. You could put, you could put pornography. For example, Jesus himself bore my sins and the sin of pornography in his own body on the tree, that I, having died to pornography, might live for righteousness by whose stripes I have been healed from the cravings of pornography. What is pornography? It's an issue with the brain. Is it dirty? Of course. Is the, is the, are, are devils trying to uh, persuade you to look at it? Well, of course that would be the case. But again, these are things that are related to the mind, and these are things that are related to the brain because when a person, a man or woman, looks at those images, what happens? Dopamine release. And you get that sensation, and your brain says, I want it again. But of course, that's wrong. It begins to take you down a path where eventually the brain says, it's not quite doing the same hit that I had when I initially started looking at it. And then the brain says, I need stronger images. And then comes violence, then comes greater levels of perversion. And before you know it, you could be in a world of such horror. And, um, but it begins with those initial hits. But again, how do you stop it? How do you heal it? You get into the word, meditate on these scriptures. You can use this one if you want. This one's loaded enough to get you completely free. Meditate on it, but you, you believe it and you speak it. You must speak it. Just like I'm giving you an example, speak it out loud. Jesus bore my sins and bore my addiction in his own body on the tree that I having died to sins and having died to this thing, name it. Okay might live for righteousness by whose stripes I've been healed from this horrible thing. Now, that you might live for what? That you might live for righteousness. Did you catch that? Now, let me tell you this right now. Sin diminishes your intellect. Sin suffocates and suppresses the genius mind of the anointed one that is in you, but it tries to bury it and cover it up with dirt and mud. Mm -mm. So when you renew your mind, what happens? You're taking a bath, out goes the dirt, out goes the mud. It can go back to hell where it came from. Praise God. Amen. Woo, and you're free. You're free. Sin corrupts intellect. Think about Adam and Eve. Here's Adam, God's man made in God's image, just like you are. 
Here's Adam, genius brain, genius mind, naming all the animals and getting them all right. And he's giving them names that are so accurate that if God were to have done it, God would have done it the same way. So Adam is on the same frequency with this way of thinking, looks at an elephant, looks at the tusk, looks at the trunk of the nose, looks at the size and gives it a name that would have been the same name that God would have named it if he would have done it himself. So Adam is dialed in. I mean, he's making that garden beautiful. This is like, this is like a place that's so beautiful that the pebble, that the pebble Creek golf course would have looked at with envy because of the beauty and the extravagance of this place. But then he did what? He got into sin. He got into sin. And the next thing you know, here's Adam who was walking in that intellectual genius gifting. And the next thing you know, he's standing there naked with his wife and all they can do to figure out how to cover themselves is Adam eventually comes up with an idea to put some fig leaves on. <laughs> so we went, we went from the stratosphere of intellectual ability to walking around in fig leaves. Uh, Adam, is that, is that the best you can do? Fig leaves? I mean, I've got a fig plant that grows outside of Kelly and I's house. You talking about a rash? You want to have your skin break out? Put fig leaves on it. Whoo, Pastor Stephen, they feel soft when you first put them on. Wear it for about three hours, touching your skin. You'd be like, this is really dumb. Yep, and that's the best he could come up with. Amen. That's why you want to live for righteousness, the righteousness of God in you. You're walking with the Lord. He's working with your mind. You are allowing the Holy Spirit to work with your brain. Amen. And you're understanding how God operates. You're tying into his thoughts. And I'll tell you what, this will be the F you in the funnest year of your life that you've ever had doubled. Mm -mm. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you right now. Father, bless your people with spiritual understanding of your ways, of your protocol, of your methods. Lift them higher. Lift them higher. Let them run to the fortress of your word. Let them wash their minds with the scripture that you would give to them. Let them personalize it and let them speak it and declare it with all boldness. And I thank you, Father. I thank you that they will understand that they have stepped into your righteousness, your high order of living. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you. We thank you. Touch them. Let the genius anointing come out. They have the mind of the anointed one. Let it come out in Jesus' name. Amen. Now say, I'm a high flyer in Jesus. Say, I'm a high flyer in Jesus. Put your hands on your head and say, I'm blessed. <laughs> yes, you are. Hallelujah. Praise God. So what you have to do is keep these spa sessions going on your mind. Okay. Keep them going on your mind. Look, we get hit with all kinds of stuff in this world. All kinds of things are hit or thrown towards us, whether it's fears, phobias, temptations, this or that. Work with your mind. Let the Holy Spirit help you. Praise God. Now, if you're watching and listening to this message today, but you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, it's time to get your life right with God right now. Okay? Now, if you used to be a Christian, but you fell away and you were, were deceived by the devil, and now you've gotten off in the sin but you want to come back to God. You found out that the pasture is not greener on the other side. You found out that the devil is a liar and a deceiver, but you want to come back to God. I want you to pray this prayer also. Okay. 
both categories, pray this prayer now. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I surrender my life to you completely. Save me now. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away with your precious blood. Jesus, write my name in your book of life and step into my life today and lead me and guide me from this day forward and help me to work with my mind. In your name, I pray. Amen. Anybody struggling with any form of addiction, lift your hands. Father, I pray and I speak over the person right now with their hands raised that whatever that addiction is, I curse it. I break it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, let your grace touch your people and let your grace strengthen them. And now let your anointed word come to them that will feed them and sustain them in the weeks, days, months to come that they know nothing but victory. I thank you, Father God, that you are blessing them, stabilizing them, and they are walking in your higher ways in Jesus' name. Amen. Shout, I'm free. Woo, praise the Lord. Now let's celebrate the mighty work that Jesus accomplished at Calvary and proclaim his death until he comes by taking Holy Communion. I want to encourage you to grab some grape juice, some unleavened bread. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. And we set it apart as holy. We thank you. It's not just grape juice and bread anymore. It's the body and the blood of Jesus. Now, Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for your word, always giving us a way out, always giving us the strength and victory that we need. I thank you, Father God, that those who have been set free, they cannot be chained anymore. Your word is too strong. I thank you, Father, that the, your word is working on their minds right now. I thank, you for the, I thank you that they are laboring in the word, and faith is coming to them. We give you praise. Thank you, Father. We bless you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. You want to know something shocking? When you pray in tongues in your devotional prayer time, you not only renew your mind, you are rewiring your brain. Your brain has two halves. You have the left side and you have the right side. And you need both sides, but there's different compartments, different places in the brain that release and specialize in certain areas of cognitive ability. When you pray in tongues, there is one area of your brain. And scientists, they have never understood what it's for, but they have, they have noticed under testing where they can see the magnetic material, uh, activity in that part of the brain. It happens when you pray in tongues. So when you pray in tongues, you are actually facilitating expediting the process of rewiring your brain according to the ways of God. Woo, Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. As we receive it, we just thank you for your forgiveness, your love towards us, and we forgive anybody, anyone 
who has sinned against us, we rewire our thinking with that of mercy and forgiveness. We thank you, Father God. It may not run in the family, but it runs in the blood of Jesus. It runs in the heavenly family. We thank you, Father, in Jesus, and we pray, amen and amen. Let's receive together. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. My friends, if these messages are a blessing to you, and I trust that they are, I want to put some information up on the screen that will allow you to sow into this ministry so we can continue to create these messages for you that bless your heart. Amen. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your support of this work of the Lord. And I look forward to seeing you back next time. And I'll see you with your genius brain and your brilliant mind. God bless you. Bye-bye.